Hello and welcome to Trek Companion. This is episode 203. I'm your host, Brian Williams. I am Adam Caesar. I'm Stephen Embry. Today we are discussing Voyager's third season episodes, Sacred Ground and Future's End, parts one and two. We are going to discuss Future's End as a single show. Here we go. Sacred Ground, Season 3, Episode 7, Production Code 143, Original Air Date, October 30th, 1996, Directed by Robert Duncan McNeil, Story by Geo Cameron, Teleplay by Lisa Klink, Music Composed by Jay Chataway. Guest cast include Becky Ann Baker as Guide, Estelle Harris as Woman, Parley Bearer as Man, Keen Curtis as Man, and Harry Grainer as Magistrate. <laughs> The crew takes shore leave on a friendly planet inhabited by the people called the Nishini. Kess becomes interested in the Nishini's religious shrine, which has a natural biological field, and out of curiosity, she touches the shrine, which puts her into a coma. The doctor cannot help because the monks will not allow readings to be taken around the field and consider the matter closed as the will of the spirits. You meant what you said, didn't you? Everything I went through was meaningless. Yes. I did everything you asked of me. You led me to believe that would allow me to help Kiss. I haven't led you anywhere, Catherine. You've taken me along wherever you wanted to go. This was your ritual. You set these challenges for yourself. I'm not really sure. We've been doing this podcast a long time. And at this point, I'm not usually surprised at how you guys feel. I can usually guess whether or not I think you guys are going to have positive or negative or neutral things to say about an episode. This one, I was a little, like I could see maybe somebody finding something in this episode. They like, I am not one of those people. I find this episode incredibly tedious. I do not care for this episode. It's not exactly that. I think it's objectively bad. I just find it incredibly tedious. I don't like it. I think I've only watched it once before. And this was my second time ever watching it. And I've seen it, Two times more than I need to. <laughs> um, so I'm interested to hear what you guys think. Steve? Yeah, so, you know, it's interesting you say that because I had trouble kind of deciding what to say exactly. What I can, what I can tell you is I recall, I recall this from when it originally aired, and I will say that now I, find, I kind of I'm, – I'm a little on the fence. I'm, I'm like – some part of me it finds it tedious, like you said. Part of me finds something interesting in it. If I'm, I feel like I got to be in just the right frame of mind or mood to go through this episode and see what's going on. But I, but when I first saw it, or when I first saw it the first few times, or whenever, when younger and I'd watch these things over and over again, you know, um, I remember it was just flat tedious. I mean, it's like I think. So what's changed is that I feel like there's some. I feel like there's. I get something out of it. There is something to it in a weird way with the ritual she's going through is kind of, it's kind of like the ritual you're going through watching this episode i mean it's like um i'm just gonna take it on faith that i get something out of this you know and i i know that sounds kind of goofy but um i mean you know it, it has something very basic to say about that i mean obviously you know about that whole thing which we'll get to but um it, it, it's a weird kind of, it's almost like a weird experiment kind of episode, you know, like let's do this almost, I mean, it, it borders on the 
abstract kind of inaccessible art house kind of thing if you think about it the right way you know um i don't i don't know what else to say really i mean i don't i don't think it, it's certainly not entertaining you know and and when if i'm in the wrong frame of mind i could see that i would just find it like totally irritating but in a certain frame of mind i think you know it's it's kind of an interesting um like an interesting little experiment to sit through for 45 minutes i don't know that that's kind of my take on it when Janeway, when Janeway first meets her tour guide or whatever, you know, it's like everything about this episode is, it's not just tedious in the sense that, um, oh, this is, everything you just did was meaningless. Meaning me, the person watching the episode, everything I just watched was meaningless. I didn't have to do any of those. I made those tests up myself. They didn't ma- mean anything. Why did I have to spend time watching them? I don't know. It, it's it's cheesy, tedious in those more obvious ways, but it's tedious in lots of other ways to me too. Like, like her tour guide lady is when when she says to Janeway, "You are fond of your little devices." I wanted Janeway to say, "You are a passive aggressive a hole," <laughs> uh, but she didn't say that. So it's just tedious, and um, I I don't I guess I don't have that evolved sensibility that allows me to enjoy it, or maybe I'm just always in a I'm always so bloody busy these days that I don't have time to to uh watch it when it, i feel like it's spinning its wheels i don't know uh, adam your first thoughts here i probably liked it better than bob definitely liked it better than you i'm probably more in steve's camp i i don't remember i don't i don't remember seeing this episode a lot it actually took me a minute to kind of remember it so i probably haven't seen this episode a lot but i could probably say i liked it more now than back then because i obviously didn't remember it um Yes, the episode, there's not a lot about the episode. There's actually obviously no action. It's kind of slow paced. Um, it's more um, it's more of a character analysis to me, this episode. And it's a character analysis of Janeway. And it's a character analysis of of all of us that, you know, I mean, we can get it. We'll get into this more about what I think the episode has to say. Um, but yeah, it starts off, it starts off kind of goofy. You know, you have Cass running into a shrine, you know, it's, you know, these you know, oh, you can't make any readers. So it's, it's kind of, you know, it kind of, to me, it kind of starts off sloppy. And then I wasn't sure if I even liked it because Janeway is even like very arrogant about the whole thing when she, you know, you were talking about her guide being arrogant. And I think her guide was just a reflection of her because Janeway came down there, was like, oh, going home, we're going to do this and I'm going to do whatever you need me to do. And, you know, not really kind of thinking about it. it wasn't until she was completely broken down at the end of the episode that she was able to kind of understand what she needed to do to help Kess. Um, but I will say the episode's not, it's not at all perfect. It is slow paced. And maybe I watched it when I was in a better mood than you are, Brian. Um, and it's, it is, I never, I didn't think of the word abstract until Stephen mentioned it earlier, but it kind of has a little bit of an abstractness and I probably, they probably get that. They probably pulled that from DS9, you know, with the, the, you know, the wormhole um, gods, you know, that whole abstractness and, you know, and a lot of religion and spirituality is, is in a way abstract. So it's kind of hard to separate that when you're doing an episode about, um, a culture's beliefs and their spirituality and their religion and how they how they practice that and that's a lot of that goes on in this episode. Um, but I will say it was um, it was kind of slow paced and I can kind of I understand where you guys are coming from when you say it's kind of tedious because it kind of just drags a little bit. That's what I got. Well, I mean, we all seem to have a lot to say about it. That's usually a good sign. Usually, uh, 
it's generally better if at least it's irritating. I mean, it, <laughs> you say this drives me nuts because of these things. And then, 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 that's like as we kind of talked before. That's better than just oh my god, I don't care if this even existed or or something. You know what I mean? Yeah. Before the show, Adam and I were talking about uh, the solo, the Han Solo movie versus Rogue One, and my argument was maybe solo is an objectively better movie, but it's uh, so forgettable in every way hmm. yet rogue one shoots for something higher. I'd rather watch that. Well, and that's what, you know, like that, that I mean, I think it's a decent analogy here because this, I mean, there's, there's like a lot of ways. I think this could be dissected and we could describe how it could be made really good. You know I mean? I think it's one of these that like, okay, what is the stuff that drives you crazy? what is the stuff that has something to it? What could they have twisted and made to a real meaningful? I think, I think though at its best, even if you, even if you tweaked this thing and said, okay, here's what could work and what would be better. I don't think you'd ever get an entertaining episode. And I don't think it's ever anything that they would have done in the nineties on Trek anyway, you know, but you know, it's, it's, it's interesting to ponder what that you could have done some kind of, you know, you know, again, we haven't got to that what it's about yet, but I keep wanting to get there because I think I think what maybe struck a chord. Yeah, what struck a chord with me is I recognize some of the day to day kind of you know rat race kind of thing that that I find myself going through, and you can combat that, and you can recognize it, and you can fight it, but it's so hard to to, to totally get out of that that you find that you're creating you're creating your own crap you know that you you make a decision on what crap you're gonna do and you just go through it and 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 you just keep waking up and decide oh you know what i'm just making up my own crap to go through you know and it's you know i'm not saying that this episode perfectly encapsulates that notion but it it certainly made me think about it so yeah i mean um i I agree with you steve there i kind of you know i said this is a character analysis of janeway and in a lot of ways it's kind of just more of a the way you described it's kind of more of a character analysis kind of of our society and Janeway represents that in this episode. I mean, she goes down there expecting to get what she wants right away, and that's kind of how it's kind of how we all are. I'm, I want what I want. I want what I want. What it right now? I just want to understand it. And I want it to be all fit nice in a perfect box. And if it doesn't, I'm going to get all anxious and and mad. And that's what we kind of see Janeway go through. You know, she goes down there. She's very arrogant about like going through this process. She's d- done her studying and gone through all that, and it's kind of how we all are. And she creates her, you know, she doesn't really, I mean, she, they keep telling her none of this matters. None of this matters because she's creating her own challenges and, you know, as Steve put it, her own crap to go through, which we all, which we all do in a, in a lot of ways. And it's, like I said, it's not till like she's completely broken down to her core um, at the very, towards the end of the episode when she's waking, you know, and she looks like hell that she kind of finally starts to realize like none of this really matters. I'm, when it, that's when it dawns on her that none of this matters, even though they've been telling her the whole time that it doesn't matter. Now the um, now the the prophet. I don't know what the old people in the waiting room. I couldn't. I mean, maybe you guys can tell me were those actual real people? Were those the spirits? Or I mean, that was kind of the abstract thing that I couldn't quite get a handle on. I don't know. <laughs> that was kind of weird to me. I mean, like you know, yeah. they, they kind of make them out to be kind of like the the wormhole spirits. You know, kind of these abstract right, creatures right. that you run yeah. into, but it doesn't really seem like that either. It does seem like, you know, three old people just sitting in a room waiting for her to show up. <laughs> All right. Well, you guys have not convinced me to make me like this episode, but you convinced me that um, I should rewatch it in uh, again in 20 years. 
disagree with you for, for disliking it. Um, but I think um, I think Steve makes a point that it's, this episode's trying to do something. It's it's yeah. actually trying to say something, even though it may not come across for you or others out there. At least, like you said, you'd rather you'd rather see a writer or a director or actor go all the way and try and fail, and, as opposed to just being not memorable. Yeah. Well, I'll make a note uh, in September of 2038 to get in touch with you about this one and we'll see <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll do a podcast just on this episode. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. all right let's do six degrees for sacred ground adam yes harry groner plays the rather kind nachani magistrate in next gen's tin man he played tam elbrun in what season tam elbrun tin man um was that was seven? it um, I was going to give you multiple choice, and that wasn't one of the choices. So, I thought was it was it, a late, yeah, I'm so good. Was it one, two, or three? I thought it was much later than that. I'll just say three. Okay, you got it. Steve, Harry Grunner also played Nathan Samuels in the Enterprise two-parter Demons and Terra Prime. What season was that? Demons and Terra Prime. Get the context here. Oh, um, yes, yes. Uh, fourth? Yes. All right. One to one. Moving on. Future's End, Season 3, Episodes 8 and 9, Production Codes 150 and 151, Original Air Dates, November 6th and November 13th, 1996, Directed by David Livingston and Cliff Bowl, Written by Brennan Braga and Joe Minoski, Music Composed by Jay Chataway. Guest cast include Sarah Silverman as Rain Robinson, Alan G. Royal as Captain Braxton, Ed Begley Jr. as Henry Starling, Brent Hinckley as Butch, Clayton Murray as Porter, Susan Patterson as Ensign Kaplan, Christian Conrad as Dunbar, and Barry Wiggins as Policeman. The crew is surprised by a small ship with a Federation signature that emerges from a temporal rift. The pilot identifies himself as Captain Braxton from the 29th century. He shocks the crew when he explains that he believes Voyager to be the cause of a temporal explosion that wipes out most of Earth's solar system in his time, and therefore he must destroy Voyager. Voyager fights off Braxton's attack, resulting in the future captain being sent back through the rift, through the rift to Earth in the year 1967. Voyager and its crew are also pulled into the rift and find themselves in, on Earth in the year 1996. Maybe we can help you find Starling and your ship and get us back to where we belong. Oh, I wouldn't do that if I were you. Why not? Haven't you been listening? A leads to B. Leads to C. Yes, we heard you. Why shouldn't we try to stop Starling? Because somehow you're involved in the disaster. That's why I found debris from Voyager's holiday at the explosion. Watch your future's end. <laughs> I always think of that line from First Contact when I hear the title of this episode. Uh, or these episodes. Um, this is interesting because I kind of remember liking this these two episodes at the time they were they first came out. I mean, aside from you know the nutty uh, trucker in me that cares a lot about uh, the timeline and continuity and all that stuff, saying like, why aren't the eugenics wars going on? Aside from that, you know, I remember liking these episodes a fair amount, quite a bit actually at the time. But then over the years, somehow these these two episodes became like really like setting it in 
1996 LA, exactly where they were actually the time and place that they were actually shooting the episodes, um, seem to date it, seem to date both these episodes very quickly in a way that um, the average Star Trek episode is not dated. Uh, so within a few years, I remember just maybe disliking these episodes a little bit, not, not, or rephrase, not enjoying them as much. Like they felt dated and it made them harder to enjoy. Uh, maybe that's around the time the DVDs came out or something. I don't know, the mid two thousands or late two thousand. I don't know, whatever, somewhere around in there. But then this is the interesting thing that I realized watching them this time. It's been so long that it's kind of coming back around. <laughs> And now it almost felt like nostalgic '90s in a way, uh, and it was kind of it was kind of interesting. You know, I'm looking at like the Santa Monica Pier and thinking, "Wow, it it totally looks exactly like that." Still, the fashion's a little different, but you know. Um, so I was surprised by that and kind of enjoying it in a way, being almost like '90s nostalgia uh, that surprised me. Yeah, so it's funny we we were talking about Captain Marvel before. We started the yeah, yeah. 90s nostalgia. Mm-hmm. Blockbuster video and... Yep. <laughs> the Clintons. So, Adam, what are your first thoughts on Future's End, parts one and two? I still enjoy these episodes. I don't think I lost... I mean, that, don't get me wrong. They're not like my favorite. You know, I wouldn't put these in the top ten or anything like that. But I, st- I, I kind of find them entertaining. There's, there's some, you know, I, there are a few things where I like, mm, but I mean, overall, I still kind of, I find them in enjoyable it's an interesting i mean you know every series has its you know little time travel episode i mean you know so i mean we'll see it in discovery at some point as well i'm sure well we already have in a weird way with the other sorry i'm off track but i mean yeah they do these weird time things and they usually go back to earth at some point in time you know we saw it in the original you know next gen ds9 they all do it it's just kind of you know expected to, to show up somewhere in a star trek series so I thought this one was kind of creative. They, you know, the kind of the pluses that came out of this, they found a creative way to get the doctor out of the, out of, out of the, you know, sick bay. Um, the cast is fun. It's fun seeing Sarah, Sarah Silverman, um, young Sarah Silverman, um, Ed Begley Jr. Thought he played a pretty good bad guy. Um, I, I wouldn't say there's anything really deep or meaningful to either of these two episodes. I don't know if we're going to come away with a whole lot for what it's about. I mean, I'm sure we will, but not as say as much as the last episode that we didn't like as much, but it probably had more to say than what this episode, what these episodes have to say. Yet um, we find these probably fine. I would agree that I would say you probably find these two episodes more enjoyable than the last one. Correct, Brian? So, yeah. It's kind of one of those weird things. It's enter- to me, it's entertaining. Yeah, you get all the 90s things. I didn't really think about like it being dated. Um, I'm just, you know, it just didn't cross my mind. Um, but overall, yeah, I enjoyed him. And I'm kind of blabbing, so I'll let Steve take over. Yeah, I, I agree with pretty much everything that's been said. I think they've, they, I don't, I don't, I don't think they're particularly good episodes or something, but they are entertaining in a weird way. It, I, I, I'm, I'm reminded of original series episodes that time travel to the '60s in a way. You know, some of those because they, um, you know, what they're doing. You know, and and the value of them is that you see these these characters, but you also see the actors and the environment that's in a way is their, the real environment, their real world at the time, which is kind of interesting, you know? Um, and, uh, 
so this it's entertaining in, in this kind of like way that you know this feels like something you know just i don't know takes you back to just kind of 90s cheese entertainment something going on there but it's star trek and obviously this couldn't sustain all the time you couldn't you know get old pretty quick but you know to see it in this context and these guest actors and this environment and all that stuff too it's it's fun and um yeah so i i enjoyed it but i don't think they're they're like primo episodes you know kind of thing i'm pretty sure there is no seti department at the griffith observatory (laughs) for sure Uh, yeah there definitely isn't uh but uh i like sarah silverman we all i assume like her it, it's weird to see her like before she was, you know, as Sarah Silverman. Yeah. Uh, Cause I mean, obviously I don't think she would do this kind of job today, <laughs> um, but 20 some odd years ago, she took this kind of job. It was kind of like, you know, Ashley Judd early on early Ashley Judd in the next gen series. It was fun. Except I, I think um, Sarah's got a meatier part than Ashley ever got in next gen. Yeah, that's true. She actually has decent chemistry with, um, not great, but good enough chemistry with Robbie. Well, you can kind of see why Sarah's been successful. She's, a, she's you know, when she's on screen, she's a likable presence. You know, you just kind of can't help but like her. I mean, you know, I know a lot of people probably don't like her political stuff, but I mean, you know, as an actress and a, and a presence, she's, she's fun and, you know, you, you're kind of drawn to her. So you can see early on, this is obviously early on in her career, you can kind of see why she became as successful as she has become i like the character too you know yeah yeah any any woman that's okay having hot dogs for breakfast is all right in my book <laughs> yeah mm, i should have a breakfast burrito for dinner that'll balance this out this episode <laughs> <laughs> obviously it's a, a big thing in the series as a whole the whole mobile emitter introduction of course yeah i forget sometimes that came from Mm -hmm. here another big thing that these this two-parter gives us is this i think annual tradition of the big two-parter during sweeps Mm -hmm. kind of stuff for voyager right they do it every season after this i think yeah i believe so eventually it got to the point where they they were they would play like both parts in the same night and not even have them listed as two separate episodes right yeah, like I remember that. some of that. Yeah, yeah, maybe Scorpion. I'm not sure if that was done that way or not. Yeah, the, you know the oh, yeah, yeah. seven of nine introduction. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I think these are fun episodes, and I, I also agree that uh, Ed Bigley Jr. Uh, he he does a great job. He really kind of you know chews up the scenes, his the scenery every time. It's an interesting kind of character too, and of course, it's a fun little thing that they put. They really kept it in the universe, right? Where um, all of our computer technology, that entire revolution, was because of this 29th century ship coming back. I had it by now. The only thing, the two things I didn't like about the, these episodes, I thought, yeah, Captain Braxton wasn't a very good character, um, and I didn't like the whole. I called it the Pulp Fiction scene with um, Bellana and um, Jacote in the basement tied up. It, that was really pointless. I didn't yeah, get that. Yeah, I mean, and then I, we I, never saw anything outside, so it just it felt so like what's going on? It felt like filler. It was like, I mean, what's yeah. It definitely felt like filler. Like I said, it reminded you know you had the two good old boys. Like I said, I just I couldn't help but think of Pulp Fiction when I was watching, especially this last time. I'm like, man, this. I wonder if they just yeah. 
I won't say it, but yeah, just kind of felt get like medieval just, on your hiney. Yeah, exactly. Just kind of felt like they just stole that whole scene from Pulp Fiction. But yeah, it was like pointless. Why are they there? I mean, and then the the shuttle really wasn't damaged. They were able to take off pretty easily. So why did they even crash? So yeah, it was kind of a pointless couple of scenes there in the second part. Are these episodes about anything? They're about having fun in the nineties, Brian. <laughs> Gosh, I don't know. Like I said, I, I think we're in a, yeah, I'm, I'm going to have a harder time trying to figure out what this is about. I mean, you know what, don't, I guess kind of what it's about, you know, you can, you know, your ego can, you know, lead you to destruction. That's, you know, kind of the Ed Bagley character. And it might be kind of a stretch, stretch, you know, his, his ego became his ego and his whole person became, he, he became more important than anything else. And that can lead to your destruction or it can lead to the destruction of society. Is that a, too far of a stretch, Steve? Voyager does kill him, right? Yeah, they they kill yeah, him. Yeah, they kill him dead. That was a little bit of a shock. It's like, <laughs> I, I mean, Doug, I understand the the concept of uh, we're we're gonna kill this one guy to save billions or whatever. But usually, it's not. If something That's like this happens, it's not like it would be more like try to disable his ship or something. Oh. No, this was right. Destroy dead. it. Kill him. <laughs> you know, it was a little. Yeah, yeah. Now I I don't know. I mean, there's a yeah, there's a little bit of the um, power of greed and going a step too far, and you know, obviously, he just has no. It was all it was all personal. He he was kind of delusional in the sense that he's going to better mankind, but really, is he's just it's, it's all just, power. Yeah, it's it's power and wealth or whatever, you know. But I mean, that's, I don't know, I can't, that's hard to say that's what the whole thing's about, you know, it's, but, but a lot of times, you know, the, the kind of big action adventure romp things don't, they're harder to pay, you know, to, to, to get to a conclusion as to, okay, this is, there's a big message here, you know, that's, that's often the case, you know, so I'm, I'm not shocked. You need a fast car and a lot of money, Steve. <laughs> man, man, Paris is something else, right? I mean, you get some very specific knowledge, you know, even as the stuff he screwed up. But gosh, that'd be that's genius level. They dropped him in the perfect time to know exactly what to do. He's very groovy. He is. All right, score is one to one. Let's do six degrees for futures. And Adam. I went first last time. So. I know you're going first again. Look at that. Right, well, Alan G. Royal plays Captain Braxton. Braxton will return in a future season, played by actor Bruce McGill in the episode Relativity. So they change actors. What season was that? Was it five, six, or seven? Um, just for fun, I'm going to say seven, since that's what I went with. No. I'm not going to give it to Steve because he would that he'd have fifty fifty, but would you have gotten it, Steve? Mm, I'm not. I'm not sure. Fifty fifty. I'd be guessing, so I, I don't know. It was five. Okay. All right, Steve. Uh, as our resident Disney fan, named Sarah Silverman's character in Wreck It Ralph. <laughs> oh, geez. I've seen this obviously more than once, but it's been a long. It's been a while now, and I'm. Uh, <laughs> I don't think I'm going to be able to pull that out. Um, I can describe the character. I can see, you know, but it's the I'll name. give you. Her, I'll give you her first name, Vanellope. Vaughn. Yeah. Yeah. Schweetz. Okay, good. <laughs> yeah. All right. So, 
Thus concludes another episode of Trek Companion. We are going to be back in two weeks to discuss the next three episodes of Voyager's third season. It's getting good. It's getting more consistent. Um, so it's fun. Is this Kess's last full season? Is seven of nine in the fourth season? Feels yeah. like it. Yes, that's yeah. right. Okay. All right. Th- that first episode we discussed today, Sacred Ground, it was a little weird because it starts off and you think, oh, this is going to be a Kess episode. No. <laughs> nope. Hey, correct me if I'm did her and Neelix actually break up before she leaves, right? Is there an episode where they break up or am I just totally Is there an episode where they get together? I'm missing <laughs> <laughs> that one. <laughs> I don't Whatever. Uh, I think yeah. I think they're not a couple at the end before she leaves. I believe that's right. We'll find out, I suppose. But who really cares? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, we will find out and who cares. All right. So uh Come back in two weeks and you'll find out what we think of the next three episodes. And until then, you can send us an email, trekcompanion at gmail.com. Our Twitter handle is at trekcompanion. And what do we got? Facebook.com slash trekcompanion is our Facebook page. Leave us a review on iTunes. That's how people find us. We'd love that. All right, folks. Thanks for joining us. Until next time, take it easy. Bye, guys. See ya. They found a pasta.